The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Well, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Shane. I, am, I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at LCC uh, North Lakes. Uh, if you cannot tell, I'm one of those unfortunate people who are a little bit sick this morning, so I would love if you could have some patience and grace with me as we press on. But we have a God who moves and the Spirit of God who is with us, and so um, we're going to continue to trust in Him, that He is going to do what He desires to do this morning in and through us as we proclaim His Word, as we sing glorious songs to His name. Uh, but we have been in three chapters of the Bible for 16 weeks now. This is the 16 weeks that we have spent looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, looking at uh, this pile of sermons where Jesus is telling us all about what the kingdom of God is going to be like, and also what those who are going to inherit the kingdom are to be like. And then we turn this morning to this passage where Jesus is calling us to make a decision. He's saying there is two ways that we are either going to go. We're going to be on the narrow path that leads to life or the wide path that leads to destruction. And they are the two decisions that we have. They're the two choices that we have to make in this life. And so I want to look at these two ways, these two gates in a moment. Before we do that, um, I need to pray. And so would you pray with me? Lord, thank you that when we are weak, that you are strong. And that as your word goes out, it is living and active and it is transforming lives. And so Holy Spirit, this morning, would you speak through me? As your word is proclaimed, would you transform hearts? Would you open eyes to see your goodness here this morning? And would people come to know you in a deeper and greater way than they ever have before? Would we leave as people changed by the good news of the gospel, looking more like you when we leave than we did when we come in? And it's for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So apparently, according to a few studies, humans make on average 35,000 decisions every day. 35,000 decisions. That's, that's a lot of decisions, right? Everything from when we get out of bed, what foot do we put down first? There is, I don't know how they came up with this number or what study metric they used, but one of my 35,000 decisions was to use it in my sermon, so I'm going to. But we make 35,000 decisions. Apparently, we make 300 decisions just on food alone. Like, what am I going to have for breakfast? Do I want Hungry Jacks or McDonald's? Do I want a cheeseburger or a Big Mac? Do I want the small? I should get the small. Now I'll get the large. I need the large, right? 300 decisions just on food alone. We make thousands and thousands of decisions every single day, and most of them are inconsequential. Like, most of them don't have any lasting effect on our lives. They don't affect the trajectory of our lives. When we get up and we go to put our sock on, what foot do we use first? Like That's a decision that we make, sometimes subconsciously, but it has no ramifications. But then in our life, there is a handful of decisions that we are forced to make that drastically change the trajectory of our life, that have consequences that affect our life now and then into the future. So for instance, where you choose to live is a decision that you have to make that is going to affect your life. It's going to affect your future, the trajectory of where you're going, the job that you choose to take, whether you choose to get married and who you choose to get married to is going to affect the trajectory of your life. If you choose to support a good NRL team or if you want to support New South Wales, that's a decision that you have to make that is going to affect your life. 
There are decisions that we make every day that don't have a consequence, and there, there are decisions that we need to make that do. And right here, we see a decision that we have to make, that Jesus is calling us to make, that affects everything. The greatest decision that we will ever make. There is a narrow gate and a wide gate. And the good news for us here this morning is Jesus tells us straight away what choice to make. He says, enter the narrow gate. Enter the narrow gate. And so we are going to look at this this morning. Most commentators suggest that Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is kind of wrapped up in uh, verse 12 that Matt spoke about last week, saying that all of the law and the prophets leads to this. And then this, for Jesus, is kind of like an altar call, where he's saying, hey, you've heard all that I've been preaching on about the kingdom, what it is to follow me, to live as kingdom citizens, and now make the choice. Enter the narrow gate. And so as we walk through this, we are going to see two gates, the narrow and the wide, two ways, the hard and the easy, two destinations, destruction and life, and then two groups of people. There are the many, and then there are the few. And so what's interesting about this is there would have been people in the audience that would have listened to Jesus preach. They would have maybe even seen some of his miracles that he did as he fed 5,000, as he walked on water. Maybe they would have seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. They would have thought that his, his teachings were profound, and yet they still didn't follow him. They still didn't choose to follow him. And now they are confronted by verses 13 and 14, where, they, where Jesus is saying, hey, you need to make a decision. You can't just think that I am this good teacher. There are so many people in our society who actually think the historical man named Jesus was a great teacher, a great teacher of peace and morals and ethics. Gandhi even wrote, I love your Jesus. He is one of the greatest teachers of mankind. Muslims believe that Jesus was actually a great prophet sent by God. And Buddhists, they don't just think Jesus was a man of wisdom and peace, but some believe that he transcended to this state of enlightenment. And yet all of them would say that there's no way he can be the only way to God. None of them would follow him as Lord. There are many people in our world at the moment who would say, yeah, if we follow Jesus' teachings, the world would be a better place. And they're not wrong, and yet they cannot and choose not to follow him as Lord. And so they're confronted with this idea that Jesus is the only way, that there is a narrow gate. Like, that can't be true, right? There's many ways up the mountain, and we're all going to get to the same place at the end, right? No. Jesus doesn't allow us to think that way. He says there is only two ways. You're either on the narrow, hard path or you're on the wide and easy path. And we need to make a decision. And so I want to look at these two gates this morning. First, I want to look at the wide gate. And this is one of my favorite, uh, a quote from one of my favorite authors and probably the greatest mind that exists today. It says this, The wide gate, majestic and alluring, beckoning with open arms a world of boundless indulgence and extravagant pleasures. It promises a life of adulterous freedom where desires are gratified and passions are pursued without restraint. It offers inclusivity and diversity and demands no objectivity, celebrating the pursuit of self-discovery and self-expression, a world where societal ethics 
and moral constraints are but a mere transient whisper. This is from chat GTP 2023. <laughs> and whilst I don't suggest you get your theology from artificial intelligence, it paints a good picture, right, of what the wide gate is like. This gate that just welcomes all. You can come in and be who you are and stay who you are and live how you want to live and chase the pleasures of the world, the desires of your heart, find your truth, live your truth, follow your truth. It's wide. Many can come in. There's no restraint. In fact, the only restriction is that you come in with no restrictions. You accept all. You can be whatever you want, whoever you want. This is the wide path. And the idea that Jesus is the only way to heaven is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And how much do we see this in our culture today? People living how they want to live. Following the desire of their hearts. Doing what they desire to do. You know how many conversations I have with people around faith who would say, Shane, that's great. I'm glad you found your truth. I've got my truth. As if truth can be owned. As if truth can be created. No, truth is true whether we believe it or not. And as a society, as a pluralistic society in a postmodern world, we have taken the idea of truth, the label truth, and slapped it on opinion and worldview. And so when someone says, this is my truth, what they're really saying is, this is my opinion and perspective of how I see the world. That's not truth. There is only one truth. There's only one truth, and his name is Jesus. There's only one way, and it is Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we can't create our own truth. Jesus is truth. And yet the wide gate, the easy way, would have us believe that that is ignorant and oppressive and exclusive. How dare we possibly believe that? The wide gate says, just come as you are. Be who you want to be. Stay how you want to stay. And what I want us to know this morning is the wide gate isn't just this life that those uh, who live licentiously live in. Like it's not just the way of the world and those in the church are in the narrow path. That's not true at all. There are those in the church who are on the wide and easy path. The wide path encompasses everything outside of faith in Christ alone. Everything outside of the narrow path. All of the religions and philosophies of the world are in the wide path, have entered the wide gate. Everything outside of faith in Jesus. And so there are those in the wide path who live great moral lives and their faith is in their self-righteousness. This would have been the majority of the audience that Jesus was preaching to. They trusted in their own faith to climb up that mountain. And yet, in the end, it leads to destruction. Church, we need to ask ourselves, like, are we on the wide path, the wide and the easy way? Or have we entered the narrow gate? Have we placed our faith in Jesus? Just because you're here this morning at church doesn't mean that you're a Christian. Because church doesn't make you a Christian. Faith in Jesus, surrendering to Jesus as Lord and Savior, makes you a Christian. And so Jesus beckons us, come, enter the narrow gate. And so let's look at the narrow gate this morning. And I think what's important to understand for all of us is there is only two ways. There's not many ways up the mountain. There's only two. You're either on the narrow path or you're not. 
And so we need to ask ourselves, okay, have we entered the narrow gate? Because every single person in history is born on the wide path. We're all on the wide path because of our sin and self-righteousness. And Jesus has come and made a way for us to enter the narrow gate, has beckoned us, has called us in in his grace and mercy to place our trust in him and him alone. Because he is the narrow gate. He is the only way, the truth, and the life. He is the door into the kingdom. We only come to the Father through Jesus. We need to be found in Jesus, faith in Jesus, a life in Jesus. He is a narrow path. Church, this morning, do you know Jesus? Like, 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 actually, do you know Jesus? Have you placed your faith and trust in him and him alone? Because that is the only way we're going to experience life and life to the full. And it's not just life eternal. It's life here and now. True, unending joy as we walk this, this path with Jesus, our friend. I think a good picture of the narrow gate is a turnstile. And if you don't know what a turnstile is, one of those metal things kind of at the train station that you always barge yourself into because you thought you tapped your card. Or there are amusement parks as well. And they're narrow. But I don't just think it's a good picture because they're narrow. I think it's a good picture because only one person at a time can go through. You enter the kingdom of God alone. You don't get into the kingdom of God because you're affiliated with a church or because you grew up in a Christian home or because you're riding the faith coattail of your parents. That's not how you enter the kingdom. You enter the kingdom by a personal choice to respond to the grace of God through the gospel of Christ. It's a personal decision that you and you alone need to make. You don't get in because you're born in Australia or because you're a certain race because everyone around you are Christians too. You don't get in because you come to LCC North Lakes. You get in because you make a personal decision to trust in Jesus as your Lord. That's how you enter the narrow way. But it's also a hard way, Jesus says. It's a hard way. It's a hard path. Because to get in, we've got to let go of some things. We've got to leave some things behind. And it's a narrow path. And as we go, Jesus is going to continue to scrape some things off us. And we're not going to like it. But in the end, there's life. Life eternal. Matthew writes this in verse 16. Jesus says, in fact, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? This idea of who cares if you get the world and lose your soul? Who cares if you're on the wide gate and you get everything you desire? You're going to lose your soul. But we need to come, follow Jesus. We need to take up our cross daily. Die to ourselves. Die to our pleasures. Die to the flesh and live through the spirit. Why? So that we might find life. We might save our life. We might find our life in Christ. This is the idea of the narrow gate. And when, when I talk about the narrow way being hard, right? I don't want you to just think that that just means suffering until you die. Because one thing that unites believers and non-believers is we're all going to suffer. How many of us here have been through a tough time and gone, I have no idea how the world gets through this without Jesus. It's only in Christ who gives us strength to overcome difficult times and situations and suffering and circumstances. 
And so please don't hear this morning that following Jesus is just a miserable life full of suffering and trials. But one day, one day when I die, then I'm going to be in paradise. That is not the gospel and that is not what Jesus is talking about here. Yes, there will be trials, but we'll have joy because we'll have Christ. Yes, there will be trials. There will be tough times. But Jesus also promises peace that surpasses understanding. He promises joy unending. He promises comfort in the midst of chaos. We need to enter the narrow gate because we get Christ. Because Jesus is worth everything. He is worth it all. You can take all the pleasures of the world, all the treasures under heaven, everything in the galaxy, all good in creation, and put it on one side of the scale and put Christ on the other side and he outweighs it all. He is far infinitely greater than anything, than all of creation put together. And he desires to know you. Church, do you know Jesus? Like really know Jesus? Have you entered the narrow gate? Because his desire, his heart is that you would know him, how much he loves you, how much he cares for you. He is worth everything. He is the greatest reward. There is nothing better than walking this life every day, every moment with Jesus. And so we need to ask the question, have we entered the narrow gate? And as I read over this passage, I kept kept coming back to this thing that kind of struck me. I don't know if it strikes you, but it says few will find it. And I just kept reading that few, like, what does that mean? That scared me. What does he mean few will find it? Does that mean that only a few people are going to get to heaven? And I want to make this very clear before we look at this. If Jesus was to send, if God was to send every single person in here to hell right now, he would still be all good and all loving and right to do so. If Jesus was to just save one person, that would be the greatest act of love and mercy and grace the world has ever seen. And so it's it's mind-blowing that he says, all who come to him, anybody who believes will have eternal life. That, That is crazy. And that is the most gracious thing our Father has done, has made a way for us to come into relationship with him. That's the gospel. The gospel isn't fair. Because we don't get what we deserve. We get Jesus. We get grace. It isn't fair. It isn't fair that he went to the cross for us when we deserve to die. That he took the punishment for sin that we deserve that isn't fair. But it's good news for us. It's great news for us. That we have God who loves us and cares for us and has made a way. And so what does it mean When Jesus says only few will find it. Well, I don't think it means that there are only going to be a few people in heaven. I don't think that's what it means at all. We read in Revelation 7, 9 to 10. John says, And as I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes and people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hand, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This picture of heaven where there is more people than you can number. I think we've got like 7.8 billion people in the world right now. Someone numbered that. And here there's going to be more people than you can number. And so it can't be that there's only going to be a few people in heaven. And so some say that Jesus is just talking to the audience at the time. To those who had been hearing him preach about the kingdom. 
And what Jesus is saying is, you, you, you Pharisees, there's only going to be a few of you, even though you've heard all this, that are going to respond. And maybe that's what Jesus meant. Some say Jesus is actually talking about the ratio of people who are in heaven compared to those who are in hell. I don't think the Bible is saying that at all. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying right here. And the truth is we don't really know what Jesus is saying. But it seems to be suggesting that there is a decision that we are going to make and it's not popular. It's not the popular decision. And you're not just going to stumble upon it. We are wired to grind and work for things as a mankind. We want to earn our way. Even Christians in here this morning are, are, are forced to keep going back by your flesh to working for your salvation. And so there is a way that isn't popular, that not many people are going to find. But it's the way to life. And so Jesus is saying, hey, we need to ask, are we on the wide path? the easy path, or are we on the hard path that leads to life? Have we entered the narrow gate? Have we really, truly placed our faith and trust in Jesus? Like, do we actually have a relationship to Jesus? Because the gospel gospel is simple. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ. That's the narrow way. Nothing else. Anything else added to that is broadening the way and is no longer the way that leads to life. And so then Jesus moves on and he says, beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And as you read this, you're like, well, that's a bit random. We're just now turning from these ways until uh, onto false prophets. But I think what Jesus is saying here is, if you're on the narrow way, there are going to be people who are going to come who look like prophets, who look like people who are going to be preaching God's word, who look like Christians, and yet they're going to be selling tickets to the wide path. What's interesting is they're going to be selling tickets to heaven because the wide path is labeled heaven, so is the narrow path. They're both labeled heaven. No one's selling tickets to hell. That doesn't sell. They sell tickets to heaven. They form these little great religious box, and they say, yeah, this is how you get to heaven. This is how you get to heaven. But it's faith outside of Christ alone. An example of this is, I think, the prosperity gospel. As false teachers have come into the church, that if you place your faith in Jesus, you're going to get health, wealth, and happiness. And that's garbage, because that's not the gospel. And, and, and I hate the prosperity gospel, not because it promises too much, but it promises too little. That's not prosperity, compared to the infinite riches in knowing Christ. What's health, wealth, and happiness? There's nothing. When we place our faith in Jesus, we are co-heirs with Christ, eternal. Like, that's what we get. Not some money. You can't take your money through the gate. Look at the rich young ruler. He had it all. And Jesus says, yeah, man, you can come in. You just you can't fit with your bags of money. Just let him go and come on in. And he couldn't do it. You don't bring anything to heaven. You don't bring anything to Jesus. You're saved by faith in Jesus alone. It is grace that saves you, not your works. And I will not stop preaching this to the day that I die. You don't come as Jesus plus your moral standard. You don't come to Jesus and say, it's you plus my works. I'm a good person. It is, you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's Jesus that saves you. It's Jesus that sustains you. And so if anyone else ever tells you anything different, they're a false prophet. Because that's not the narrow way. 
People say Christians are narrow-minded. You have no idea how narrow-minded we are. But the arms are open, the invitation's open for all to come and place their faith in Jesus. This is good news for us. Don't ever think that your works save you. Many of us Christians, yeah, like we can easily believe that we're saved by grace and that the gospel saves us. And yet somehow, for some reason, we always go back to thinking now we need to live good moral lives. We need to work to keep our salvation. That's not the gospel. The gospel saves you and the gospel sustains you. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside you and transform you from the inside out, making you more like the son Jesus. And he promises that he will begin a good work in you, will bring it to completion. That's the gospel. But as Christians who have placed our faith in Jesus, our lives will be transformed. And so even though you can come to Jesus as you are, he won't let you stay as you are. And so when he says that we are to look at these false prophets and see the fruit, that's how we know. Lives transformed from the inside out by the Holy Spirit. And it's important to know what's fruit. What what fruit is he talking about here? It's not those who have a big church. It's not those who are great communicators and preach fire sermons, whatever that means. It's not those that look fancy, great leaders. That's not what fruit is. Jesus says fruit for those who have been transformed by the gospel that have the Holy Spirit in them is things like humility and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. So we are to go and inspect these teachers, these prophets, and look at the fruit in their lives. Is their fruit of life transformed by the gospel? And Jesus said there won't be. You can't get bad fruit from a good tree and you cannot get good fruit from a bad tree. And so your job as people in this church is to look at my life, is to look at Kylam's life, is to look at those who are speaking into you the word of God and asking yourself, are they false prophets or are they preaching the gospel of Christ? Do they have fruit that resembles those who have been transformed by the spirit? And that's tough for me to say up here, but... That's what the word of God says. That's what you're to do. That's what I'm to do. Because our faith is ours alone, even though we're welcomed into the family. Faith is yours and yours to own. Church, we really need to ask ourselves, do we know Jesus? Like, do you actually have a personal relationship with Jesus? And I'm going to keep asking this this morning because there are some of us in here, the Bible would say, that don't, that are still on the narrow, they're still on the wide path. And even though you might come to church, you might serve in some capacity, that doesn't make you a Christian. You might do all the Christian things. It doesn't mean that you know Jesus. Jimmy's going to come next week and speak about the fact that someone's going to come to him and say, Jesus, we did all these things in your name. And Jesus is going to say, I don't know you. I don't know you. And so we need to ask ourselves, Do we know Jesus? Do we really know Jesus? And as the band comes back up, I just want to finish with this. We live in a world that is just filled with this idea of getting instant gratification. Like we're all about, that's why our brains are all out of whack. That's why we scroll for hours on end, because we need that next hit, right? 
We're all about instant. That's why the wide path looks great. That's why it's popular and easy because you get instant gratifications. You can go there and fulfill your desires and your pleasures and whatever you want. And yet the hard way, the narrow gate, saying, hey, it's going to be hard right now. There are going to be moments that are difficult. But you get Jesus and in the end, you get life eternal with him. As we're all going to be risen with him in heaven. Joy eternal. And so we need to ask this question. I was, I was down at conference, uh, a conference in Melbourne. I came back yesterday. Um, I was there for three, three days. And one of the pastors told this story while he was there. He said there was a, a, a deacon's wife in the church. A deacon's wife in the church. And she led a life group. Um, she played keys and led worship at the church. And they were part of the church for about 16, 17 years. She was a deacon's wife. And one Sunday, the preacher got up and he, and he, he preached a message about knowing Jesus and then said, if there's any of you that aren't Christians um, and want to respond, would love to pray for you. Come down the front. And there was a moment where this deacon's wife, who leads a life group, has been going to the church for 15 years, was playing keys. This isn't a story about you, but he's <laughs> playing keys behind the preacher and realizes, man, I've been doing this Christian thing my whole life. And I don't think I know Jesus. And so she stops playing. She gets out of our seat. She walks down the front in front of the whole congregation, knowing that they know she leads a life group and is married to one of the guys who preaches and comes out the front and goes, hey, I actually don't think I know Jesus. I'm convinced that you can do all the Christian things and not know Jesus. You can come to church, you can serve, you can lead a life group, you can lead worship. You can stand up the front here and preach and still not have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so if that is you in here this morning, or maybe you're not sure, I want to encourage you Turn to Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. He's the only way. He is the greatest way. He is your friend and he loves you and he cares for you and he desires more than anything that you would know him and the joy and the life that he wants to offer you. So we need to be honest with ourselves here this morning. Have we entered the narrow gate? Do we know Jesus? Would you pray with me? Lord, it's you alone who knows the heart of man. There is a way that seems right to us and in the end it leads to death. God, would you help us as a people continue to walk with you each and every day to place our trust in you, our faith in you, Holy Spirit, there are people in here right now that don't know you personally, that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Would you illuminate their eyes to see? Would you give them faith to believe? Would they see the good news of the gospel and respond, surrendering their life to you? God, will there be people that leave here today knowing you, confident in the fact that they have a relationship with you? And God, I thank you that you make a way. 
that you have made a way, that you have gone to the cross on our behalf. You have taken the penalty and punishment of sin and that you have risen again. Now you are king over all. God, would you be king of our hearts? Would you be king of our lives? Would we live lives just throwing off the sin that so easily entangles us and running down the path with our eyes fixed on you and you alone? And God, would you help us as a people who are on the narrow way, on the hard path, who have faith in you to look and see those on the wide path and go to them and share the good news of the gospel with them and help them lift their eyes to see that there is a better way and that way is to follow you to know you, to trust you. And Lord, thank you that you are with us each and every day by your spirit. It's not our works that saves us. It's your grace. It's your grace that continues to save us each and every single day until one day we are welcomed home with loving arms. God, you're a good God. You're a great God. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Center Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature, and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare, and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others, but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.